Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Uh, if you hadn't noticed, we've got a tank down here and uh, this is such an exciting day for us here at Life Central Church. This is what we're all about. Yeah. We're all about people coming to find and follow Jesus and find new life in Him. And today we celebrate these guys who have made a commitment. And we're going to see four people get baptised in our first service and two in our second service. But you are get, we've got the privilege of hearing from all six today in this service, which is amazing. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to look to the screen and we're going to see the first two stories of today which is of our guys who are being baptised in the second service. And this is Malachi's story followed by Chloe's story. So why don't you put your hands together for these stories and watch the screen. Hi, I'm Malachi and I'm 17. I was lucky enough to be born into a Christian family who were so loving and compassionate about God. So for me, there's never been a time where God hasn't been present. I've always felt like I've known about God and He's always been there. But for me, the, the moment I made my decision was when I was 14, I went to Soul Survivor and I realised, like, this is what I want to be. This is the person I want to live for. This is how I want to live my life. And that really, it challenged me in a lot of ways, but it was a very good decision I made, I think. So six months after Soul Survivor, we obviously went into lockdown and after we came out of lockdown, we decided to move to a new church, which was obviously this church. And at that point, after leaving our last church and the transition, I felt like I was drifting away a lot from God and just church in itself. But then coming to Life Central and getting involved with the youth and at cruise and on a Sunday, it really sparked something inside of me. That reminded me how much I loved God and loved church and what my passion for it was. And then in the summer, we went to Limitless Festival and that whole experience really ignited my passion for God again and made me want to get involved even more in the church. And now I serve on car park, kids team, and I'm loving every minute of it. Today, I'm being baptized because I used to think that I was never ready or I wasn't good enough to be baptized, but I realized that I'm ready because I've made that decision to follow God and none of that matters. Hi, I'm Chloe, I'm 24. I'm thankful I grew up in a Christian household. I was part of a church community and I always knew who Jesus was and I, and I always believed in God. I remember I was nine years old when I first gave my life to the Lord as I, I prayed to my mum one morning before I went to school. However, I had a difficult time throughout high school um, and although I was still, I was still after, after moving to a new area and also, although I still consider myself a Christian, I did not um, connect to the local church community. As I grow older, I'm more actively working on developing a relationship with Jesus. After coming to Life Central and joining, and joining a connect group, I feel this has enabled me to do that. Life with Jesus is better than without. I find that when you follow and praise Jesus, you're, you're, you're never alone through good times and bad, as His love is eternal and unfailing. Even though I've always known the goodness of God, I find now, more than ever, I'm connected to Jesus and the church community as I grow and develop in my faith and in my relationship with God. And that's why I'm being baptised today. So good. Such great stories there from Chloe and Malachi. And we're going to hear a few more stories in a few moments' time. My name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to share with you for a few moments about what it is that we believe and why we're baptising people. And the good news is, is these six people that are being baptised today, they're now 
perfect. They are never going to do anything wrong ever again. When they come out of that water today, they will be perfect, spotless. They will never say anything wrong again. They'll never talk back to their parents. They'll never, they'll never make hand gestures in traffic again. They will never do anything that they're not supposed to do because they're perfect. That's right, isn't it, Leon? Incorrect. The bad news is, those of you being baptised, is you're not going to be perfect from here on in. You are still going to get it wrong. Parents, friends, family of those being baptised, the bad news is they're still going to do your head in. <laughs> and do you know what? The bad news for all of us is that all of us get it wrong. All of us will go from here and at some point today, this week, we will mess it up. We will get it wrong because none of us are perfect. The, you know, if we are asked, are we good enough? The bad news is that we are not good enough. Aren't you pleased you came to church today, everyone? <laughs> Aren't you pleased you tuned in and chose to watch us today? You see, we are not perfect, but you know, we believe that there is somebody who was perfect and that person is Jesus. Jesus spent some time um, with some people who he called his disciples and one of them was called Peter and he said about Jesus that Jesus never sinned and he never spoke deceitfully. And in order for God to be God, he cannot come into contact with anything that is not perfect. And so what I want to do is to help unpack this, I want to use my interactive multimedia board um, that's also known as a room divider with a bit of Velcro on it. And I want to just unpack something. And what I want to do is do a perfect to evil scale. And what we're going to do is you're going to help me out here in our locations. I want you to join in as well. We're going to pick out some names, okay? And I want you to tell me where they should sit on where, from perfect all the way down to evil. And so the first one is Mother Teresa. She was pretty good, right? Where, sh where should she go? Here? Higher? Higher. I feel like Bruce Forsyth now, isn't it? Higher, lower. Oh, showing me age there as well. Up there? Not quite perfect, but she was, she was a pretty good woman, wasn't she? What about Adolf Hitler? <laughs> there was booze and everything. He was, I mean, killed a lot of people, didn't he? He was a pretty, pretty evil guy. We're going to put him there. Okay. Um, I know this is bizarre, isn't it, to be doing in church? Um, what about Whitney Houston? Now, I need to say, I picked... I picked people who were no longer alive, partly because I was worried, like, if I picked Harry Styles, and one day Harry Styles is scrolling through YouTube. <laughs> I just, you know, I just didn't want him to be upset. I like Harry Styles. And so Whitney Houston, like, she clearly wasn't as good as Mother Teresa, but, like, like maybe in the middle somewhere? There? There? Are we happy with there? I'm going to cause a riot, aren't I? Okay. <laughs> Nelson Mandela, what an absolute legend. Like, the things he did for the people of South Africa, the things that he's taught the world about forgiveness, like, yeah. higher or lower than Mother Teresa. They can't go on the same, because I haven't done the Velcro over here. So, <laughs> just below, just below there, right there. Some people shouting higher. I, I'm going to go with the majority, I'm sorry. What about Elvis Presley? Now, he did die on the toilet, so... <laughs> I don't know whether that makes him higher or lower than Whitney. What do we think? Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. it, it is a bit, bit controversial. I'm going to go. I'm going to go just above Whitney. All right, I'm going to go lower. Sheesh kebabs. All right. Andy Hancock, what about me? 
Hang on a minute. You can't all be saying, I'm not down here. I know we got the same initials, but come on. Now, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm, a better, I'm not a better singer than Whitney or Elvis, but this is an on scene. Uh, it's really hard to do this publicly, can I just say? I'm going to do what everybody in the room will do and put themselves bang in the middle. Because I feel like that's a thing. Okay, what about you? Where would you put yourself on this scale? Maybe, maybe it depends on the day of the week. Maybe it depends, you know, you let somebody out in traffic and you feel like Mother Teresa because you're generous. You're a generous driver, but then something else annoys you and you say something or you do something and maybe sometimes you feel like you are a terrible person. I don't know, but where would you put yourself on this scale? Maybe you will probably, I'm going to put you just above me because you probably are a better person than me. But here's the thing, right? A guy called Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, the New Testament is the stuff after Jesus. He said this, he said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What he's basically saying in today's speak is, all of us have got a gap. If you're Mother Teresa or Adolf Hitler or anything in between, we've all got a gap to perfection. We've all got a gap and that gap means that we can't come into contact with God. But the good news is, is that Jesus makes up that gap for us. What we're celebrating in a few weeks' time is that Jesus was born as a baby, and we celebrate that at Christmas, but he doesn't stay as a baby. He grows up. He lives a perfect life. He never did anything wrong, which is why he's at the top here. And when he died on the cross, he paid the price. He made up the gap so that when God looks at you, he sees perfection. And, you know, that's what we're celebrating today in these people being baptised is they've made that decision to say, I want Jesus to make up the gap for me. So that when the answer, when the question is asked, how good is good enough? The answer is Jesus and I am good enough because I know Jesus. And so what Jesus did on the cross is he makes us good enough that we can know God and know who he is. And so today, if you're not a Christian... I want to say something. I have got absolutely no right to tell you how to live your life. And I'm not standing on a stage today here to tell you how to live your life. And in fact, if you're not a Christian and a Christian person has ever told you how you should live your life and made you feel guilty maybe for some of the decisions that you make in your life, I want to say sorry to you. I want to apologise if you're a person of another faith or no faith at all and a Christian person has made you feel bad for the way that you live your life. I'm sorry because we've got no right to hold you to standards that you're not trying to live by. And I want to give you something to put in your back pocket to use in the future. And it's a thing that, that Paul said, this guy who was talking about a few moments ago. And he said this, it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you want to note it down for later to use. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11 to 12, he says this, make it your ambition, and he's talking to Christian people here, to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. You see, it's not my place to tell you how you live your life. You know, if you've not chosen to be part of the family of God, if you've not chosen to invite Jesus to make up the gap to you, for you, then you don't come under the family rules. And so you're not trying to live in the way that we're trying to live, and that's okay. That's absolutely fine. But what it is my place to say is that Jesus loves you. 
is that God loves you and his invitation for you to, to allow Jesus to make up the gap to you is always extended to you. It never expires. Even if you move up or down this scale, his God's invitation for you into his family is always extended to you. You see, God loves you even though you choose not to be part of his family. God lo- in fact, God loves you like you're already part of his family. You see, Jesus invites you into this relationship. And so when you're, you know, maybe you're here with somebody who's being baptised today and maybe they invite you along to our Christmas events, they're not trying to tell you how to live your life. They're just reflecting who God is because they're saying, hey, God invites you into a relationship and I'd love you to come to our church and see what we do at Christmas. When they invite you along at Easter, maybe you invite somebody, maybe you're invited to this or that or come along on a Sunday. They're just reflecting the invitation that God extends to us every single day. And maybe I want to just take a moment to talk to those of you who are being baptised today, to those of you that will call yourself Christians and Jesus people and church people, whatever it is that you want to call yourself. I want to talk to you about something. You see, when... When Jesus makes up the gap for us, that means he's our saviour. And if you're a Christian, if you're being baptised today, Jesus shouldn't just be your saviour, he should be your saviour and your Lord. And I want to explain that a little bit because it sounds a bit churchy. You see, Jesus didn't just live a perfect life so that he could make up the gap for you and die on a cross. He also lived a perfect life to set an example of what it means to live like he does And there's two theological words that sound really clever, but they're actually quite simple, and it's justification and sanctification. Okay, and and the word justification basically means what we're talking about, is that when Jesus died on the cross and you you, you invite him to be part of your life and you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, you are justified. It happens in an instance, and you become perfect like Jesus is. And the process of sanctification is becoming more and more like Jesus. And so if you're a Christian, you, you have been justified, but you're in the process of sanctification. And when you invite Jesus to be your saviour and your Lord, you say, hey, I'm going to be obedient to you, Jesus. I am going to follow you. I am going to live like you because I want to become more and more like you. And so you might make decisions that seem crazy to other people that live, live by different standards, but what you're doing is you're becoming more and more like Jesus. And I want to be very, very careful when I say this, okay? The more that you invite Jesus to be your Lord, the less and less need you will have for a saviour, although you will always need a saviour. Because what should happen is as you make decisions to say, I'm going to make Jesus my Lord, I'm going to be obedient to him, you should be moving up this scale. You may occasionally drop down and make a bad decision, that's okay, but you should move up and up. People like Mother Teresa did what she did and served the people that she did because she had a relationship with Jesus and Jesus was her Lord, and so she was obedient to him. And so, in a few moments, we're going to baptise some incredible people, and we're going to celebrate. But I just want to close, before we uh, sing again in a few moments, I want to say, if you're not a Christian, then what have you got to lose by asking a few more questions? Maybe you want to chat to the people that have invited you today. Maybe you want to talk to your location leaders. Maybe you want to talk to the people that you you know who are Christians and ask them a few questions. Because the invitation is always extended to you. You might leave this place or leave your location and never come back for 
five, ten years' time, guess what? What I've said today still stands true. That God loves you. That God invites you into his family. And God wants a relationship with you. God is always inviting you so that Jesus can make up the gap for you. If you are a Christian, then I want to challenge you. What are you doing to become more like Jesus? What rhythms are you putting in place in your life? What decisions are you making that make you become more and more like Jesus every day? Maybe that's something you want to reflect on as we do baptise people in a few moments' time. But we're we're going to sing a great song um, together called Living Hope. And uh, the opening line to this is how great the chasm that lay between us. And it's like how great the gap that lay between me and who you are. And the song speaks of everything that Jesus did to give us a living hope. Not a, a false hope like a lot of people are hoping that England win the World Cup. That's probably a false hope. But there's a, there's a living hope that you can build your life on, that you can orientate your life around and say the hope that I have is that Jesus makes up the gap for me, that I can have a relationship with the creator of the universe and he knows me and I know him. And so I want to invite you uh, to stand if you're able to in all of our locations and I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing Live and Hope and then we're going to hear some more stories in a few moments. Jesus, I thank you for your perfection. God, thank you that you didn't just choose to sit on a cloud, but you loved us enough to come to the earth, to live a perfect life and to die on a cross to make up the gap for us. God, I thank you that we all have a story. We all have stuff going on, but you want to speak into our story. You want to speak into our lives. And so God, I pray now as we, as we sing this great song of your hope, of your living hope, God, I, I, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would show us more of who you are, God, that you would help us to have the courage to ask the questions that we want to ask that maybe we've never revealed. Maybe there's some of you that are going, oh, I, I have always had that question actually, but I've just never had the bottle to ask it. God, I pray that you give them that bottle, that you give them that boldness and that courage. God, I pray for those of us that are Christians that you would help us to become more and more like you every day. We pray in your mighty name. Amen. You know, Andy was great, wasn't he? Uh, and he spoke so well. Well, we're going to hear from four other people now who are going to tell you some of their story, some of their story about why they've decided to find and follow Jesus and how life is different. And you know, in this moment here, you're going to hear from people from children all the way through up to adulthood as well. And this is the representation, if you're not a Christian, of what the family of God is. And so would you put your hands together for these amazing people? Would you put your hands together for Sally? Would you put your hands together for Georgia? Would you put your hands together for Thomas? And would you put your hands together for hope as well? Come on. And you know, you'll be noticing they're all wearing a t-shirt similar to what me and Leon have got on. It says new. Because we believe that right now that they are making a decision to step into a new life with Jesus. They're doing it publicly. There's nothing special about that water, by the way. It's not holy water. It's normal water. But we believe in this process that they are stepping into a new life. So would you put your hands together for our first story, which is Sally. 
Morning. Okay. So, I was brought up in a Christian family. Three older brothers. I hated school. I had a love-hate relationship with church. Who doesn't? (laughs) But what I did love was Spring Harvest, some of you may have heard of. And it was at a youth meeting there where I first encountered the Holy Spirit. How? I cried a lot. (laughs) For no reason. Only I just felt just pure joy in my heart that I knew it was true. At school, I was classed as a Bible basher. And my dad wrote Jesus songs. He did. Dad's written loads of Christian musicals that had been used in schools and churches all over the world. It was through this that I found a love for dance, interpretive dance, dancing for a purpose, a meaning, telling a story, communicating a feeling. I hosted Christian dance workshops and choreographed several musicals. It was great. At 17, I had my first relationship. Someone who unfortunately took me and my family's kindness for granted. He was abusive, stole money, was controlling, but ultimately a very lost soul. During our relationship was when my brother decided to take his own life. It's not in the script. He suffered with depression, something that sadly runs in our family. Though we knew he was sad, we we didn't know how sad. He didn't let on how bad things actually were. There's so many what-ifs and a lot of details I've only actually uncovered the last couple of years. And 20 years on, I understand depression. I understand the utter despair it causes. And the ripple effect from from Pete choosing to leave was and is long-lasting. I only have to look at my parents to see what the pain and damage it causes. Depression in myself manifested as an eating disorder. Something I could control, I could control, or at least I thought I could control, when in the end, it actually controlled me. I lived and worked in a community called Lee Abbey in Devon as a youth worker. You could say they are probably hit rock bottom. But through all my struggles, my faith was rooted. Going deep and spreading. On the surface, I was a weak, bare, old tree. Angry, sad, wilting, but my roots were strong. In 2007, living back at home, not working, very unstable, I had a Facebook friend request. Turned out he was looking for a Sally Jones that he really fancied at school. It wasn't me. But three years later, I married him. (laughs) 
Carl helped me to learn to love myself again. He wasn't a believer, but very much supported me with my faith and also got along well with my family. It was important to me that Dad liked him. He did. <laughs> it was good. It was around two years later, uh, Carl found faith himself. <laughs> or rather, faith found him. <laughs> Our journey as a married couple has been far from easy, uh, but hugely blessed with two incredible daughters and immense support from our church and family. We've not long handed over a business we both ran together and probably the hardest thing we've ever done. How we survived that, I'll never know. Well, I do. <laughs> I haven't enough time to go into all the turmoils we've experienced as a family, but I can say that God has stood by us every step of the way. I kept putting off getting baptised after all, I was christened as a baby. I was confirmed in, in an Anglican church. Why should I? I should, because it's what God wants. It's what I need to do to show everyone, though no matter what life throws at you, and it really does throw large rocks that hurt. That is why I believe my faith roots are deep. God has used many people to grow and shape my faith. My parents, my husband, Leon, my friends. They've helped me when I've been really low and at my wit's end. God has my back and he has your back. And what I really want to say is, don't wait until you sort yourself out to get baptised. Because you'll be waiting a really long time. <laughs> Thank you. Just an amazing story. And, and Sally's almost teed up our next speaker because she said, don't wait until you sort yourself out. Well, listen, look, George's is, a, you're 11, aren't you? So come and share your story with us. Amazing. Hello, my name is Georgia. I'm 11 years old and a very proud Christian. A lot of people may not know me here, so a little bit about me. We each have our own unique gifts and talents. I have a good sense of humour and I like a good joke, sometimes a little misplaced. Oops. <laughs> I'm told I have a massive heart and I am extremely kind. I can't really remember the first time that I realised I believed in God. There were many moments. Even though most of my family and friends aren't Christians, it was in those moments that I developed a relationship with my father, such as going to ch church, singing and dancing, praising God without really understanding. Things like when our lovely Pauline was visit would visit our home with little treats and pray for me and my family. During COVID, when my mom would meet online with her connect group, I would always pop in and say a little hello. I felt part of their team. I love and respect the fact that my dad and his family support my beliefs, even though they don't believe themselves. That doesn't mean to say I don't pray for them all the time. My stepdad says he loves his little Christians. He joins us in church from time to time, even if he says his reason is because he loves the band. <laughs> I have two older sisters who are truly wonderful and very beautiful. I think the closest thing you could get to Jesus on earth is my dada. 
That's just a strange name we call my granddad because he's so gentle, loving and kind. The reason I tell you these things about my family is because, because each and every person has encouraged me to always do my best. And I know not everyone is as lucky as I am, but I give thanks, for God this, for, I give thanks to God for this always. Whilst I am still very young and I know that I will have challenges to face in life, it's such a comfort for me to know that I don't face them alone. I face these with God. I know God only wants the very best for us in life. In year six, each child gets a special job. I really wanted to be a prefect. Sadly, I didn't get this job. Instead, they gave me the role of being in crew. This means I help in assembly and start off all the prayers. I really enjoy making daily Christian videos. My school liked them so much, they've asked if they can show these in the assemblies too. So God really did put me in the right place. I no longer just believe in God anymore. I know I belong to him. So now I'm ready to declare my love for Jesus by being baptised today. By the way, I did get prefect in the end. Thank you. How good is that? Amazing, right? You're amazing. Would you continue to clap for Thomas, who's going to come and share his story? Come on, Thomas. Good morning, everybody. So my name's Tom, and I got to know Jesus again thanks to COVID. During the pandemic, a lady on my roads uh, called Bethia set up a WhatsApp group so that we could all support one another. Through the group, my wife Hope and I became good friends with Bethia. Bethia initially introduced Hope to her church, and after a period of time, I started to go to church. In preparation for our marriage this year, we had some guidance from the church. And it was through this I was introduced to Jesus through studying scripture as part of our preparation. Before I got to know Jesus, I struggled to know the reason why I was put on this earth. Life is different now, though. I'm getting to know Jesus through the Bible and coming to Life Central. I feel I have more purpose in my life. It's changed my perspective on life. As time goes on, I'm increasingly seeing the, uh, the power of the Bible and the difference it can make in my life. On several occasions, I've also seen the power of prayer. No one should ever doubt the difference prayer can make. Through my baptism, I look forward to moving along on my spiritual journey. Thank you for listening. Really good. And uh, we're going to hear from Hope, who is Tom's wife, and she's going to share an amazing testimony with you guys. So keep clapping, keep encouraging her, because it takes a faith and, and boldness to do this. So well done. Mom. Thank you. Um, hi, my name is Hope. My spiritual journey has been a very eventful one. 18 years ago, I lost, I lost my sight very suddenly. I had a hemorrhage at the back of my left eye. From birth, I already had poor vision in my right. The only vision I had remaining in my left eye was light perception. Over time, my right eye deteriorated further. I was left with only light and shadows close up to both eyes. It was due to God that this changed. <laughs> Before I decided to follow Jesus, I used to feel anxious, hopeless, alone, and I found it hard to forgive people that really hurt me. 
21 years ago, I was introduced to Jesus through a church toddler group. Sadly, I left as I had a bad experience. As I moved a few times, I didn't find a church to settle in until about 14 years ago. At this church, I went on an alpha course. It was great. And I'm not plugging that one either. <laughs> um, hold on a second, sorry. In the first lockdown, I met a lady on our road called Bethia. She is a Christian and we became really good friends. Shortly after, God spoke to me. It was a Sunday afternoon. I remember it as clear as day. I couldn't wait to tell Bethia. My faith was back in a big way. Not only am I now a Christian, but a child of God. Within about four weeks, God changed my life. I was out and about with my guide dog, Reva, waiting for the bus. I started to be able to see traffic coming. I was shocked and scared, so I went home. I got my eyes tested and it was confirmed. I was able to see again. No medical explanation, a complete miracle. It was a very emotional time. I saw Grace, my youngest daughter, Tom and my granddaughters for the first time. And my daughter, Hannah, as an adult. It was autumn when I got my sight back again. It's my favourite season. The colours of all the trees, it was like seeing it for the first time again. God's perfect time. Now that I have Jesus in my life, I have peace and purpose. I now find it easier to forgive. I also have gained a church family and I no longer feel alone. I now have a hunger to feast on God's word in the Bible. I am learning to know what God's tangible love is for me. God put Bethia in my life just at the right time. And I thank her for being on my spiritual journey. Thank you for listening to my testimony. This is the shortened version. You can ask Andy. <laughs> thank you. Incredible. Incredible stories there. And um, what's going to happen now is that Leon's just going to lead us through a moment of response to these stories and how Jesus has changed these people's lives. He's going to lead, us in a, lead these guys in a prayer okay, moment. Guys, if you want to just come stand here, weren't they amazing? Weren't they all amazing? And you know, the, uh, on these t-shirts, it says the word new. And um, the Bible says that, that God makes all things new. It doesn't say he makes all new things. It says he makes all things new. So, you know, when you give your life to God, okay, it doesn't mean that your life suddenly changes. It means that you change. And God is changing you on the inside. So tomorrow when you wake up, it's the same day. Do you know what I mean? It's the same. These are the same guys, okay, as they are today. But God is making all things new. Not new things, but all things new. So I'm going to just ask a couple of things. And if you're in agreement with this, just say yes, okay? Then we're going to baptize you. So do you believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you recognize Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Do you acknowledge that you've been forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus on your behalf? And will you now seek to follow Jesus the rest of your life? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you 
for these amazing people, Lord, who you are making new. And Father, we ask now that as we baptize them in this water, Jesus, that God will all be challenged and encouraged. Maybe some of us can remember that time when we made this commitment, when we made this decision as well, and when we were baptized. And, and, and many of us know that life hasn't been easy since then, but God, we've known that you're with us and you're for us and you're making all things new. And maybe if we haven't made that decision, we haven't done that yet, then maybe even watching and hearing these amazing stories and these lives will cause us to think a little bit more about what you want to do in our lives as well. So Lord, help us, we pray. Be here by your Spirit. And we pray for these amazing people. Their stories are so different. And yet, Lord, in each of them, you are at work making all things new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.